Happy Monday, everyone. Michael Seifert here with Refining Politics and Culture. We are officially less than 24 hours away from Election Day. And I anticipate that this week will surely be eventful. So make sure you're subscribed to the Refining Politics and Culture podcast to hear all of the election coverage as the week unfolds. So I've received a multitude of questions recently about tomorrow. And if you'd like more information regarding my in-depth predictions and how I see things potentially playing out in the presidential race, you can check out my episode I released on this past Saturday at refiningpoliticsandculture.com or anywhere you prefer to listen to podcasts. So for today... I want to spend our time together answering a few great questions I was asked over the weekend. And the first that I want to cover was about Kamala's shocking tweet that she posted yesterday and about the difference between equality and equity. And I want to spend the majority of our time today on this because it's important that we as Americans understand the true nature of some of these ideologies that are foundational to what the Biden-Harris campaign is calling for in policy. So to give context, yesterday, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden both said the quiet part out loud, essentially, regarding their plans for socioeconomic equity in American society if they were to be elected. Notice how I said equity, not equality. There's an important difference there, which we'll cover in a second. So Kamala Harris started it off with a tweet Sunday morning that included a video calling for equality of outcome or equity rather than equality of opportunity, which is the true definition of equality. And it's crucially important that we understand the difference. So in the video, Kamala stated that our goals as a, as a society should be, quote, about giving people the resources and support they need so that everyone can be on equal footing. She continues to say that equitable treatment means we all end up in the same place. I want to pause here for a second to take in the gravity of that statement. The challenging vice presidential candidate of the United States, who, if she were to win, would likely become president, by the way, let's be real, just called for the creation of a socioeconomic landscape guided by the same ideologies that served as the foundation for every single failed socialist or communist nation over the past hundred years. That we would all end up in the same place economically through government intervention. This is radical, and there's no other way to put it. This statement is further evidence, by the way, of why Kamala was rated the most liberal senator in 2019 by the nonpartisan organization GovTrack. And it's not just her. Last night, Joe Biden tweeted out as well. He tweeted out the details for a plan to bring about racial economic equity if he were to be elected. And while that can sound nice, listen to some of the details. He also announced that as a part of his unity plan, he would aim to set up an equity-based new credit scoring system that takes identity factors like race and sex into account, which is especially wild when you consider that the entire purpose of a credit score is that it's supposed to be inherently objective and based upon factors you can control, like spending habits and debts paid, rather than identity markers like skin color or gender. But he doesn't stop there. He's also called for gender and racial quotas on corporate boards, climate equity, which he's intentionally vague about what that actually means. Uh, He's also called called for a furthering of affirmative action and racist policies that actually belittle the capabilities of minorities in order to trust the state with the role of the provider of equal outcomes. So these ideas resemble the ideology of Karl Marx or Eva Max Kendi far more than they resemble the ideas of someone like Martin Luther King Jr. And it's important that we understand the slippery slope these ideas lead to if given the power to spread. There are three major differences I want to point out between equality of opportunity versus equity or the equality of outcome. First, true equality is fair and just, whereas equity thrives on partiality. So to achieve equity, it's not enough to say that you see everyone equally and desire to treat everyone equally. You actually have to give special favor to certain groups in order to manufacture an equal outcome. It's inherently discriminatory, but its proponents don't see it that way because they believe they're fighting a noble battle against established power dynamics in order to achieve social justice, which is exactly how Stalin sold the Soviet Union into buying his utopian vision, by the way. 
Secondly, a society that seeks equality of outcome is guided by things like tall poppy syndrome or a desire to punish those who seek success regardless of societal challenges, which is why in socialist countries, creativity, innovation, competition, and progress are always eventually stifled. Manufactured equitable outcomes ensure that everyone is equally mediocre, regardless of their will to succeed, because in order to level the playing field, effort isn't incentivized, it's actually punished. Venezuela is a great example of this. It's a nation that went from the wealthiest in South America to the poorest in a matter of two decades because they pursued equality of outcome rather than opportunity. Now, today, 99.3% of Venezuelans experience equity today by living in an equal level of utter poverty. And the messaging of this idea is problematic as well because societies guided by a desire for equality of outcome assert that you're solely a product of your environment. And if you're facing life struggles, it's inherently because society is unjust towards you. Psychologically, to repeatedly tell the next generation that they'll never succeed unless society changes is deeply harmful and it clips the wings of any young person that would like to prioritize individual responsibility. American society has been a beacon of light to nations around the world in many arenas because we've embraced the idea that no matter how difficult your circumstances are, you can still live a life of purpose and meaning. To do away with this encouragement is to do with, away with the values that have made America special. Societies that seek equality of opportunity strive to provide everyone with open doors to seek success should they choose to pursue opportunities, rather than punish some in order to give handouts to others solely on the basis of identity factors that they can't control. So finally, the third difference between equality of opportunity and equality of outcome is that governments have sought to prioritize equality of opportunity or true equality by recognizing the responsibility and the rights of the individual, whereas the governments that have sought equality of outcome over the past century have ultimately done so in order to play the role of God in society. Because if you can teach a generation that the government should serve as a worthy provider of utopia, it makes it very easy for the government to justify their exercise of unchecked power with the trust of their constituents. This is why C.S. Lewis said, and I'm quoting here, of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber's baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at sometimes be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. If a government believes that they have the right or responsibility to manufacture equal outcomes in society, then they retain the power to reorganize society to their liking. And the problem is, contrary to what people like Kamala and Joe believe, utopia here on earth is not possible. And if we elect people that believe that everyone can be equally well off as long as we punish or restrict some identity groups in order to favor others, I fear we will find ourselves in the category of every single failed state in history that has attempted to do the same. Okay, so that's my first question. Second question I want to answer is regarding the results of our election. I was asked by multiple people over the weekend about when I could imagine the official results coming in. And honestly, any prediction I have would be more of an educated guess than anything else. I actually feel somewhat confident, though, that we could have enough of a result to call it much sooner than many of us fear. But if our election all comes down to Pennsylvania, either for Trump or for Biden, we could be waiting till the end of the week. If other states like Michigan, North Carolina, Florida, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Arizona, though, are called on Tuesday night, we may not need to wait for Pennsylvania, depending on how those states shake out. Ultimately, I'm praying for a late night Tuesday or early morning Wednesday answer. That's not to say the process would be inherently over, though, even if that happens, because with all the potential mail-in ballot issues and courts getting involved, there's a high possibility that unless there is a very clear winner, either side may challenge the results. 
So there's second question. Hope that was helpful. Third question is this. What is my electoral college prediction? I predict the race will go 296 for Trump versus 242 for Biden. I'll actually post my prediction map I made on my Instagram today if you want to check that out to see how I predict it will break down state by state. Again, that's solely a prediction. There's so much up in the air with this race. It's very difficult to confidently know for sure. You can check out my episode. I mentioned a lot more about this on Saturday for more information. So that's all I've got for today. I'll be answering some more questions on my Instagram story later today. So if you have any further questions, make sure you send them in. I'm praying fervently for election day, and I'm sure you all are too. I'm also looking forward to tomorrow's Refining Politics and Culture episode, where I'll be covering the potential outlook of the various congressional races and the final polling and data numbers before election night. So make sure you tune in for that. Thank you for watching, and I hope you have a great week.